it's going to be divided into two great schools. Hey, you want to you want a sound check, Cassidy? Testing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I can hear Melvin. We can always hear Melvin. It's all right, Melvin. Wow, we've, sh we've shrunk your monitor. How do you guys even see that thing? Does someone want to offer a prayer? Yes, everyone's excited. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Test 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, 24. Can you hear me? We're praying right now. Keep talking. Okay. Amen. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism. Test 1, 2, 3, 4. No, she's not. Keep going, Cassidy. Have you gotten it down? Thank you.
Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't watch the show on television, live here, they can go to www.hotm.tv and watch it live streaming from anywhere in the world. Uh, I was a born-again Mormon. We are getting the hard copy ready for some time in early 2010, but you can download it PDF form from the website at www.bornagainmormon.com. You can have that book in your hands within minutes. New Life Christian Bookstore, a great place for all your Christian needs, 1550 North Main in Layton. Need your business? Keep it going. So check out New Life Christian Bookstore in Layton. People often wonder, um, hey, once I've received the Lord as my personal Savior, if I've said the prayer, if I really believed it, I've been born again, what do I do next? And my, my best advice, the number one advice is read the Bible. Study the Word of God. Why? Because it's His living Word. And the living Word of God, uh, it gets inside you and it changes all the thoughts that you've accumulated throughout your life when you're in the flesh. So it's really important that once you've accepted the Lord and received him by faith, you get in and study his word. It re-educates you in terms of what God wants you to do and helps you to understand his ways. If you live in the Salt Lake or Logan area, we do Bible studies every Sunday. Never denominational Bible studies. And everyone is welcome. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more inner information like times and uh, directions. Well, we know that you are out there. We know that you're hiding and um, you're not believing in Mormonism and the whole story about golden plates and mummified texts and convenient revelation, but there you sit. Mormon by name and membership, but a disinterested cynic in your heart. Come to the Lord and abandon ship. Give God your life and your will and give the Mormon religious institution a letter that says, I want out. Go to www.utlm.org for more information about how to get it done. All right, how about some upcoming events? First, this Friday and Saturday night, November 20th and 21st, 7 p.m., I'll be speaking at the Grace Lutheran Church in Sandy. You can go online, find out their address, 7 p.m. this Friday night and Saturday night. Same subject on each night. But uh, we welcome you there. Bring an LDS family uh, member or friend. And then on November 29th, that's a Sunday, 11 a.m., I'll be speaking at Sandy Ridge Community Church uh, for Pastor Travis Mitchell. Stop in there if you uh, happen to be and experience Sandy Ridge uh, for yourself. Finally, be sure you tune in next week to Heart of the Matter. Tell your family and friends because we're going to do a first-time comparison and contrast between Islam and Mormonism. And it's going to be a very interesting show. I can promise you that. Hopefully I'll be alive to give it. Just kidding you. And uh, with that, let's have a prayer. Lord, we love you and need you in our lives always. And we recognize that you... uh, give us life and guide us. We pray that your spirit will be here with the studio, the volunteers, our staff, the technicalities of running the television station. We pray for our audience here live, our audience throughout the state, Idaho, and uh, everywhere by virtue of streaming and uh, 
and YouTube clips, Lord. Open our eyes to the truth, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, this is our 192nd program, uh, spanning more than three and a half years. And I went back and sort of tallied up the most frequently asked question our ministry receives uh, from people. In order to catch you up on the facts and intentions of Aletheia Ministries, let me quickly hit the top 20 questions, accusations, or statements we get the most in the next few minutes before we open up the phone lines. And I'm going to do them in, uh, in uh, descending order. So uh, the 20th is the least but most frequent of the first is the most frequent of all time. Number 20, how do I share with my LDS family, friends, and neighbors about the truth of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, there's a number of ways, a uh, number of methodologies that are out there, and we've listed seven on programs before, but I just want to tell you, primarily, the most, one of the most important things is to pray that their eyes will open, their ears will hear, their heart will uh, be converted, and they will be healed. You pray that their eyes will open because you can have every articulate argument in the world, and if you're not taking it to the Lord and asking Him to open up their eyes, it probably, or I don't think it will happen unless He chooses to do that anyway. So, and that's the, the, the primary way. Then, then secondarily, uh, you want to exemplify Jesus in your life. Sometimes people think that the way to get to the LDS is by trying to use kind of the tactics that I'll use on the show, and those really are inferior. This is for information, and this is television, and this is a program for, for some entertainment and also to bring in uh, truths. But when you're working with your loved one, you don't want to do some of the things that I do, so you want to share with love, Jesus, who he is, what he means to you, how he's changed your life, and then just consistently share that love. Uh, there's times to contend for the faith, and there are times to throw down, but with family and friends, love and serve as Jesus commands. Not to antagonize them, uh, but with truth and love, and, but never give an inch on the truth. Number 19, how has your family handled your leaving the church? We get this all the time, people who haven't caught up on the show. My wife and two youngest daughters are uh, saved Christians through and through. My oldest daughter, Mallory, is searching, but she is completely out of Mormonism. Uh, my wife still attends the LDS church at times. She takes her elderly mother, and uh, she uh, has not taken her name off the records of the church. There's internet uh, criticism of our ministry because my wife has not taken her name off. And to me, that's a personal decision. She has her reasons because of her family, but she's a, a Christian through and through and whatever it means. I mean, there's other people who haven't too. We like to say abandoned ship, but even in my own family, my wife hasn't done it and there's no uh, force on my part to do it. I will say though, it takes time for the Lord to work in your life. It takes time for him to start to work with spouses. So the last thing I believe God wants to happen is for you to find the Lord and then uh, divorce your spouse and break up your family over this. I think he wants you to stay in with long suffering and peace and kindness and love them into the truth. So number 18, um, how do you make your money? Uh, what do you do for a living? Big one. After funding the ministry, uh, my wife and I for five years ourselves, I'm presently repaid by Aletheia Ministries for writing, hosting, and teaching, and managing the ministry because it's become more than a full-time uh, uh, proposition. 
Prior to this, I worked different jobs uh, to keep the ministry and our family afloat. And prior to that, prior to becoming a Christian, I was a stockbroker for 13 years and uh, worked for different financial institutions and a few banks. Number 17, why don't you get some real scholars from the LDS Church on, you, on your program? Are you scared? Uh, we have always welcomed any official representative of the LDS Church to be on the program, anyone, I'll welcome you now. If you're an official representative from a general authority to an apostle, to the prophet, as a counselors, to a stake president who has the authority, to a mission president, any official representative is more than welcome in that capacity to come on this program. We'll devote, I'll devote a month's worth of programs Four weeks for you to come in if you're official and sit here and we'll go through and talk about Mormonism. Uh, but we have all kinds of non-official LDS people who in their own estimation believe they have what it takes to come on and defend Mormonism. The problem with these types are one, they can say anything they want and in the non-official capacity and nobody can take them to, to task. They usually resort to something, well, I believe, I believe, I believe, but they can't speak officially for the church. And this is, why, this is why we don't allow or ask those guys to come on and do it. But let's say that these guys did stick to official uh, uh, doctrine that's written down. They would selectively use that doctrine. They would pull from one place and not pull from another. So it would make the uh, thing imbalanced from the beginning. We know with an official representative, they would have to acknowledge what the general rule would be and how things are done uh, in spite of the fact that they have doctrines that conflict with each other. Second, when somebody comes in and they're not official, their purpose is to defend Mormonism at all costs. Their purpose is to then win at all costs, not share truth. And our uh, position is we want to know what the truth is. Let's stick with the truth. No matter how hard it is to hear, we want to know what truth is. But when you get a, a, a self-appointed apologist to come on and talk, they usually uh, will uh, kind of argue to win instead of argue to get to truth. There's guys on the, on, online, they're really amazing. They make their own videos of themselves and uh, they explain, there's one guy, he calls himself the Book of Mormon Answer Man. You got to check this guy out. He's amazing. He, he'll have a lead in to, to the video he'll make of himself. Uh, and it will say, um, did Joseph Smith have many wives? And you, and you watch the video and it's seven minutes long and six minutes, 35 seconds is all him saying how he knows the church is true and, and that it's really, he feels it and he knows it and believe him. And then he'll say, and I don't believe Joseph Smith had many wives. That's it. You know, there's nothing, in fact, nothing about truth. It's just the way they are. So it's unbelievable. And uh, so we, that's the reason. Number 16, it has been said, quote, Sean McCraney is neither a true evangelical, uh, nor is he Mormon. True. Uh, keep your titles. I'm a follower of, of my king, Jesus. Some people need to categorize in order to feel comfortable. And I don't, anyone uh, to ever, I don't want anyone to ever feel comfortable with me. Uh, that's what the Mormons do so hard. They work so hard to make people comfortable with them. And uh, I'm a seeker and an iconoclast, but this being said, I am a wholehearted believer and follower in Yeshua and who is my God and King. I am a servant of the most high God in my flesh, a jackass in my spirit, uh, regenerated by the King. Number 15, what's up with the title, Born Again Mormon? 
Um, we believe people can be born again while they are LDS, and this opens up a method uh, to reaching Mormon people that we believe is viable, even superior in many aspects to other methods that are currently used. This uh, is the goal of this part of our ministry, to help people who are LDS trust in Jesus, whether they are in or stay or want to say they're going to stay in Mormonism, uh, and then to let the Lord work on them once they have been born again by him, let the Lord work on them leaving the LDS church. Number 14, someday, Sean, this is a statement we get all the time. Someday, Sean, you will come back to the church. I just know it. And uh, if that were ever to happen, Mormonism would have to renounce everything that is contrary to Bible, which in all probability would be a cold day in hell. And so I would therefore never come back to the church. Number 13, why don't you spend your time doing something constructive instead of bringing down another faith? Get this one all the time. You have to tear a faulty building down before it can be rebuilt. When the foundation is faulty, you have to uproot that foundation completely, repack the ground, resettle it, and build, rebuild your foundation. The most constructive thing I can do in this aspect of our ministry is to help expose the lies uh, tear them down and pray seeking LDS will see the light of Jesus poking through the cracks that we try to smash through the walls. And that's what we uh, seek for. Number 12, what is, why is your perspective better than all the millions of LDS believers? Uh, and then they'll usually something like, you know, there are 13 million believers who believe it's true and you all alone don't believe it's true. Um, why is the LDS perspective better than the billions of Christians uh, who agree with me. I mean, are we gonna play my daddy can beat up your daddy uh, until, until Mormonism catches up with Christianity and numbers? Uh, what's the deal? I mean, there's 800 million Hindus. This numbers game drives me nuts. And you guys are so big on emailing, well, there's 13 million. Of, oh, guy, it makes me wretch. Big deal. Uh, Let's, how about just look at the facts? Let's weigh them out. Let's make decisions based on reason, based on the Bible, rather than imbalanced thinking. Let me also say this. Mormonism is far more appealing to the flesh, to men and women, than biblical Christianity. Um, why? Well, in Mormonism, you're automatically a child of God. You don't become a child of God through belief. You're automatically Heavenly Father's child. That's inviting. Uh, there's no hell really in Mormonism. That's inviting. Um, you can become a God in Mormonism. To the flesh, that's inviting. They're materialistic. That's inviting. A lot of wealthy Mormons. Uh, they're very orderly and they are borderline, if not full, outright humanists. So to somebody looking at Mormonism, they're going to say, wow, that's really appealing to me. What do I need to become one of those radical uh, born-again Christians who devote their lives to Jesus when I can be a Mormon and, and become a God and automatically, without being born again, be his child? So Christianity is hard on the human soul, you guys. It's hard on pride. It talks about sin. It's fanatical about things like homosexuality and abortion and ugly things. And it doesn't give way to those things, you know? And so there is an appeal to Mormonism that isn't within uh, there. I would expect fully, just my opinion, I would fully expect Mormonism in the last days to thrive.
And that leads me to another side point. People say, you're getting your 15 minutes of fame and it's gonna end and Mormonism is gonna carry on. And I probably believe that, that's no problem. Uh, but it doesn't mean we're not pulling people out one by one here and there who are hearing the truth. And that's our purpose, okay? You get that? All right. And then um, number 11, how do you explain so many different Christian denominations that all fight with each other? Uh, liberty in Christ, a God who loves diversity, um, freedom of thought and practice amidst agreement on the core issues. That's how I explain it. I mean, how do you explain all the different races and cultures out there that God created? Uh, don't these uh, create differences too and, and some in conflict too? But didn't God originate all the beautiful flowers? Should every flower be red? Should every people be white? Should everyone drive a Ford? I mean, what do you, you want this homogenous society and you think that's a sign of strength? I believe in the God who makes everything so radically different and he allows us the freedom and liberty to worship him in these radical ways as long as the core issues are the same. Why did God create people so vastly unique? Why, do, why are some liberal and some conservative and some artistic and some mathematical and some literal and, and logical and emotional in all these ways? The logic behind this stupid statement is like asking, how could anyone believe mom and pop or independent restaurants are superior to chain restaurants like McDonald's? Or, or something else. It's your, what your reasoning is, is like saying, McDonald's is better food than those independents that might have arguments and disagreements with other independents. I mean, are you insane? Do, do you not understand diversity and the different tastes? And uh, blows me away. Uniformity does not equate to quality, goodness, or superiority. Life is messy, it's diverse, it's challenging and open. God made it this way. It's a vast universe, beautifully united though in Christ. All right, uh, ask yourself a question and you will reveal personally to yourself what you think of God. Since Jesus came and fulfilled everything, he paid for all, does your God demand exact rules and lifestyle and beliefs and dress standards on every matter or does he enjoy the freedom his children have in expressing their love and faith in him through diverse songs and, and, and worships and prayers and personal discipleship? In the end, does your God want you to eat every spiritual meal at a McDonald's or from divergent cafes, eateries, and venues, which are all committed to supplying the core nutritional uh, issues? You know, that's the question you have to ask yourself. I go for the latter every time and not the latter day saints. All right, number 10. Uh, it's usually in some form or combination than another saying you couldn't handle being LDS, you're a sinner. Uh, what did you do wrong, Sean? And again, we've co covered this plenty. You're right, I couldn't handle being LDS. Uh, but I have a question for everyone out there who is LDS, can you? That's what I wanna know. Can you handle being LDS? If you say yes, you're either a liar or you are in a pathological state of denial. Uh, and a religion that cre creates liars and patholo pathological denial is not good. Now think about it. Do you pay 10% on all the monies you get? The other day I was in a, a store on a Sunday and there was this nice LDS couple, young, very handsome. I mean, he, he looked like Mitt Romney. He was dressed to the tees and she looked like, I don't know who, some, some, someone famous uh, uh, that's Mormon. And they're walking through on Sunday shopping. And, and I just wanted to grab them and say, do you realize 
based on your doctrine, teachings, getting in the temple, you're breaking the Sabbath day. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, that was worthy of death? That you think you can walk around looking so clean and pure and your doctrine says this is the Sabbath day and you can willy-nilly break it? Do you understand the implications of that when you stand before God? I mean, if you want to say Sunday's a Sabbath day and there's things you can and can't do on that day, have at it. But you better follow it. And you don't. And you know you don't. When you go on a vacation, Sunday becomes a day to go hiking and swimming and eating out to dinner. But when you're in town, you're in the clothes and you're looking right. I know what your ways are. I was one of you. I mean, are you honest like the temple questions are in all your dealings with men? If you say yes, you're lying right now and failing the question. The list goes on and on. How come every time you go and take the sacrament on Sunday, you covenant with God, you promise you will obey all of his commandments. Now, let me ask you a question. When you take that sacrament, do you know you are going to keep all of his commandments? You know that you're going to break some. And yet you, you will lie to God and covenant that you're going to keep all of his commandments on that day. And yet by Monday, you have broken some. Every single Sunday when you take that sacrament, you are committing perjury. You're lying to God. Do you understand the hypocrisy in that? This is what religion does with people. It makes them do things that are, that, where God can see their heart, he can see their actions, but they think outwardly they're fooling him. It's deception, deception with God and yourself. You know you will fail and advance a new covenant. The whole thing is a religious facade. Understand I'm not picking on you. I know it sounds like it. Uh, I'm trying to help you see that you are involved in the same amount, quality, quantity of sin that I was, that you accused me of not being able to handle. I want you to call us if you're LDS and you think that you obey all the commandments. I want you to call us and tell us that you're one of them. I want you to call and tell us because if you can't say that, then you're not worthy to be LDS either. You understand? Number nine, if Mormonism is true, how do you explain the Book of Mormon? Very simple, as a plagiarized compilation taken from an assortment of provable original sources in an attempt to make people embrace a counterfeit book of scripture. Uh, watch our program in the Book of Mormon and our video archives. The hyperbole surrounding the Book of Mormon, bannered about by Holland and others, is nothing but uh, a way for you, know, for you to hide the wizard behind the curtain. You know, the story's there and they just keep spinning this stuff up. You know, and why stop with the Book of Mormon? Why not examine the Doctrine and Covenants? Why not examine the Pearl of Great Price? Joseph Smith's prophecies, why don't you look at that? Go to utlm.org and look at his prophecies. If any of them failed, so many of them. Um, the, his interpretation of the Bible, look at the Joseph Smith's translation. Of course, we have polygamy. Of course, we have blacks in the priesthood. Of course, we have temple rites and temple uh, ordinances all taken from uh, Masonic uh, rites and rituals. We have priesthood claims that are antithetical to Hebrews. We have first vision claims. There's six of them, my friends, not one, six of them, and they all differ. We have Joseph Smith in one of his writings calling Angel Moroni Nephi. I mean, it is a mix and a compilation of contradictions. And the list goes on and on and on. I got uh, another one, number eight. I'm a Christian and a Mormon too. What do you think of that? I think individuals of all faiths can be acceptable to God by virtue of their faith in Jesus Christ. I think there, are, in extreme cases, there are people who are Muslim, maybe Hindu, maybe Buddhist, who are in fact Christian and who find themselves the recipient of God's grace. 
but these are exceptions. They are not the rule. At the same time, I think that Mormon doctrine and LDS praxis works opposite to true biblical Christianity and for the most part leads all those good seeking people away from the cross and not to it. Additionally, I would strongly suggest that anyone who claims to be a true Christian at some point will abandon the Mormon ship. You cannot hang out in there uh, for very long if you truly have been born again. Number seven, I never hear our leaders pick on other religions. Why do you? Mormonism is founded on the premise of picking on other religions. After all, its founders said that God told him that no church was right, that all their creeds were an abomination and all their professors of their faith were abominable too. Uh, this is an attack. Then today's LDS missionaries go door to door and they share the same story with people. Listen, uh, your church, it seems like it's a very nice church, but it's wrong. Well, elder, can I, can I be a Baptist and go to heaven, go to the celestial kingdom? Mm, no. You can't. And if they're honest, they'll tell you that. And that's how it works. Mormonism teaches that it's the only true church on the face of the earth and a person must embrace it to go live with God when they die. The leaders don't need to attack other religions from the pulpit. They ha their religion does it from its basis. Uh, the members, the missionaries, their history, the doctrine itself is a living attack on all religion. Okay. Uh... Oh, by the way, it's Good Shepherd Lutheran, not Good Grace Lutheran. <laughs> it's like Good Grief Lutheran. Good Shepherd Lutheran, this Friday and Saturday night. Quickly, number six. How could you pick on a church that does so much good? The premise is faulty from the start, and being the sixth most frequently asked question, it's grossly misunderstood by many people, LDS and not. How can a church that supposedly does so much good but leads people away from the cross of Jesus truly be thought of doing any good at all? Um, it can't. In the truest sense, Mormonism does no good. Uh, if this life is all there is, if there is no God, there is no afterlife, Mormonism is a great great little club. It's a great little community of religious believers who do good. In that sense, I understand. But because there is an afterlife and success and peace and joy in that afterlife is predicated not on uh, doing good, but on the biblical truths that Mormonism refutes, Mormonism is not doing any good. Mormonism is doing evil. And you have to understand the difference there. That's a biblical perspective. And I know it's tough for you to swallow. So stop emailing us with why Mormonism does so much good. Why do you pick on? It's one of the most annoying ones we get. All right, were you ever, were you ever LDS? Yes, for 40 years. Uh, then number four, there's always a question regarding my appearance, which has gotten so much better, hasn't it? And uh, so we aren't going to talk about that one. Uh, number three, uh, you tell lies, lies, lies. All right, let's just talk about this for a minute really quickly. When I present history and doctrine, I speak the truth as I discover it. Very, very rarely does anybody, in all these years, does anybody say you're wrong on that fact of history or doctrine. Very rarely. But then there are my perspectives on things. And I typically differentiate between historical documented stuff and my perspective and how they play out in my mind. In this area, you can disagree, but because I see things differently does not mean I'm a liar. Because I see how the doctrine plays out in people's lives and I express that does not mean I'm lying. It's my perspective, okay? And I know it annoys you, but it's not a lie. 
And uh, finally, there's my humor and, um, and my attempts at getting under people's skin and uh, with comments about culture and practice. These are just attempts at entertainment. There are some people, Christians, who want us to sit here and just say, good, good evening, we're going to discuss aspects of Mormonism tonight. Will we now pray? You know, and we just aren't going to do that, okay? And so there's an irreverence that kind of comes with this, but it's from our heart to help reach you with something that's going to make you say, whoa, you know, I hate him. Why do I hate him? Let me prove him wrong. So all this being said, it's really important for you to examine what you think I'm lying about. What am I lying about? Give us some proof. Don't just say you're lying. Tell us. Ask yourself if you don't like my person and my humor because everything I say then erodes at the foundation you've built your life upon and it's hard to listen to me. And, and, uh, and this is where the LDS go wrong. Uh, because I had long hair, you know, I couldn't have been telling the truth about Joseph Smith and Fanny Alger. And because I made fun of President Monson's appearance, uh, there's no way my facts about the Book of Mormon could be true. And you see, Mormonism uh, has caused you to think this way. It says everything must be in harmony with what Mormonism says in order for the person to be considered reliable. If I gave you a 99% Mormon picture, but 1% of, of what was fact about Mormonism, you would reject me because that 1% even didn't fit in. And that's what they've, they've taught you to think and believe. And it's just flugging scary about what they do. So you can get angry at my attempts and, and things like that, but you just give us specifics of where we're wrong. All right, number two, how could you say we're not Christian? Oh, it's like a mantra. Uh, Mormonism is not Christian. It will never be Christian as their doctrines are in opposition to true Christianity. Just ask a knowledgeable Christian. Let me tell you something. Good, loving, faithful Christians look for opportunities of commonality. They look for some way to say, oh, you know, that's good. I think we have some common ground here. Ask yourselves, my LDS friends, why has the majority of Christians over the centuries or decades, why have they all refuted Mormonism? Because they know we don't stand on the same doctrinal basis. You teach your people, it's because we're jealous of you. We're not jealous of you, believe me. Um, it's just that you're not Christian. And that's why that comes out. Finally, why do you pick on another religion? This is the line. Jesus never did that. It's the one we get all the time. That's number one. The more I read the New Testament, the more I see how much time Jesus actually spent ripping on the false traditions and errant teachings of men and religion. Open up the book and read it. See what he says to the religious rulers of the day. Hear the names he calls them. Listen to how he corrects their false teachings and arrogant attitudes. Jesus never picked on another religion or beliefs. That is all God has done since the fall. He has picked on errant teachings and beliefs. Wake up, grow up. Stop fearing and start hearing. And with that, let's open up the phone lines. 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. First time callers, please, LDS callers are preferred. Please turn down your television sets once the operators have cleared you to be on the air. And while we're at it, let's watch one brief segment on Alathia Ministries Partners Program. It keeps the ministry alive. And then we'll go to your calls and emails. Part of the matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. 
We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries' long-term sustainability without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there, ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us 1-888-868-4686. All prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. We're back. We've got Renee and Oram, first time caller. Renee, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi. I have a question that I hope you can answer for me. I hope so too. Um, I've been LDS my whole life, inactive for about the last 20 years. Started doing a lot of research on the LDS Church, and um, your shows helped me quite a bit. I do know that the one thing that keeps me bound at all to the LDS is the life after death, because they believe that we live as families. You know, I'll have my kids up there, and I'll have my husband up there. I don't like the idea of sharing my husband with 15 other women, but what does the Christian, just overall Christian, believe in the life after? I mean, I like the family thing that the LDS has always um, stated, but I don't want to live in a big community with just thousands of people of acquaintances. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a great question, Renee, and uh, it's only the idea that I could have 15 wives that made me want to stay in the LDS church in the afterlife. So, <laughs> My husband uh, likes that, too. Yeah, yeah, the, the men like that idea. Yeah. Listen, um, the Christian perspective is a couple things. First, Jesus said that in heaven they are neither married nor given in marriage. Now, that is the premise that we have on marriage. Joseph took that and said, no, we don't care what Jesus said. We're going to have celestial sealed marriages. Joseph was very big on families, his own family. And then he was also very big on other women and being sealed to them. And then building the kingdom of heaven here on earth, actually having it here on earth like it would be in heaven. That was his whole gig. And he got a lot of people to follow him. But right. Christians believe a couple things. One, we live by faith. In a loving God who does, who eye has not e seen, ear has not heard, the glories that await them that believe. If men can come up with this thing called marriage, which is di divinely inspired by God, and if we can conceive of that here on earth, imagine what God will do for those who believe. Imagine what He will do with families, with, with marriage, with people. And wandering around in a community of people you don't know, no, you actually are tied to a body of believers because you have been saved by his grace through his blood and you are real true brothers and sisters with them. Now there's also this idea that we're going to sit around on clouds and play harps. The Mormons love talking about that. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no idea, but we do know this, Renee, we trust in a good God completely with our future. And he loves that, that we are willing, without having all kinds of man-made answers to rely on, that we trust he will take care of our loved ones and our animals and our friends after this life who have trusted and believed on him. 
Does that help? That does. Okay. That does a lot. Great. Thanks so much for calling and watching. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Janine and Leighton, first-time caller. Janine, you're on Heart of the Matter. Okay. Yes, um, Sean. Hi. I know um, in some of your past shows you've talked about the baptism of the dead in the Mormon Church and how the Jewish... Um, the Jews have to come back not only once but twice to make a request that they do not baptize their people yeah. in the dead. Are you aware that the Vatican also had to write a letter or make a request that they do not access Catholic records and that they do not um, do baptism of the dead on them also? You know, I read an article about that. I can't remember the woman's name who does all that research in the mm -hmm. Salt Lake Trib about it, but I didn't know that uh, it was really um, a strong point with Catholicisms. And, and yes, it is. It was very wow. much so. It came down because um, the bishop in Salt Lake City, I believe he, I believe he, they have a copy of the, of the, um, rec um, the request wow, that's that came down. That's amazing, mm -hmm. Janine. Listen, I think every Christian church, at least denominations, should send letters to the LDS church and said, leave our dead alone. Who do you think we are? You know? Uh, well, so since I've, I've been living here for 13 years, uh -huh. I find it, not being Mormon, it is a very difficult state to live in. Yeah. Um, also, let's see, I lost my train of thought here now. Um, I've even thought and I've said to friends, I am ready to go to an attorney and get a, um, I know that this may be crazy or something, but to get a legal document after in my death that they cannot do baptism of the dead on me. Yeah. You know, well, it's sad that it may have to come down to that, but, you know, I've done a lot of reading since I do live here now, and one of my main books that I had read was um, No Man Knows My History, but on and Brody. Good book. Very informative book. That book was banned in this state at one time. When yeah. uh, guess when it was first published? Yeah. And in the back of the book, in one of the appendices, she lists um, all of Joseph Smith's polygamous wives. Yeah, and that's field that's field. not a that's not a comprehensive list. Todd Compton gives an even better one, I think. And okay. there's others. Hey, Janine, uh, thanks so much for the call. For me to start since I do live here in the state, and trying to educate myself about the predominant religion. Good job. Thanks so much for the call. You're welcome. Bye-bye. We're going to Bruce, Salt Lake City, first-time caller. Bruce, you're on Heart of the Matter. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well, Bruce. How are you? Good, good. Amen and hallelujah to your opening remarks, my friend. Thanks, my friend. Hey, I've got a, a couple of things I'd like to say uh, concerning those. My question was primarily on grace, but... But I, I just wanted to touch on this idea of uh, your challenge of a general authority to come on. You know, you, you know they're not going to come on. I know. How There's come? There's no way they're going to come on because they'll lose their chief seat in the synagogue because they can't answer those questions without getting themselves in trouble. You're right. Okay? It just isn't going to happen. So. You're right. Okay? And, and you know, I, I make no bones about it. I'm fundamentalist in my views, and I and I kicked out of the church for the very things that you're talking about. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm out because I says, what about this and this and this? And they said, you can't do that. And I says, well, okay, then I guess I'm in trouble. And I guess you are, so you're out. Wow. 
Okay, so that's 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 just you know, and when people call in and say you're you're lying, you're not lying. They're just not familiar with their own history. Right. Okay, and they're scared of their own doctrine. Uh-huh. And I happen to believe it's true, so I guess I'm just an idiot. Well, Bruce, so you're a fundamentalist. Do you believe the uh, all the the, the prophets, uh, Joseph and his writings and the Doctrine and Covenants, etc.? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Let me give you an example. I mean, I mean, uh, I asked, I I gave my my question as one on grace. Okay. Uh huh. And I and I said I wanted to know your views on grace because of this scripture in in uh, the New Testament, in Ephesians two eight and ten. You're very familiar with it. Uh huh. Well, by grace you are saved through faith. Okay, not of not of that, not of yourselves. All right. Uh-huh. And as I read that, to me, okay, I also have to think about James and faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And and how can our Father in heaven on that day of judgment, we're all looking forward to, judge us unless we've got something to be judged on? Okay, <laughs> and that's going to be our works. He's uh- going to look. Take it easy for a minute. He's going to look at our lives. Uh-huh. Based on what we know and how we've lived our lives, it uh-huh. will be an issue, Sean. We can't keep Jesus' commandments without doing something. <laughs> there are some works involved. Hey, and okay. That's my view. Okay, that's, that's your view. view. Can I respond to it? Sure, sure. I'm not finished, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, I just want to read just one simple passage, all right? Great. Sure. Uh, and, it, and this is the commandment. This is the commandment of the Christian, okay? It's in 1 John 3, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Absolutely. Those are the commandments. Sure. Everything is based on that. Right. Now, wait. No, no, wait. Let me finish. You got your point. Go ahead. By (laughs) our faith, God judges us on our faith on his Son. That is how he sees us. Men can't tell our faith. They can't read our hearts. All right. So that that. is the work that that God looks on. He knows whether we're covered by the blood of his son, whether we believed on that blood or not. And men, by this shall men know, you're my disciples, if you have loved one to another. So men look on us by the love that we share for others. Except that you cannot toss out him saying a man must be born of water and the spirit. You can't say baptism isn't a necessary work and be legitimate, Sean. You can't do it. No. Because it also says that. Okay, but wait. Wait, 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 wait. That's your in- wait wait wait. That's your that's your interpretation of John three three. John three three is not talking about water birth. Read it well, in context. Wait, read it in context. Jesus says that which is born of water is that is born of the flesh is flesh. That that's that's water. That's that's the birth. But no, that which is born need, of that's the. That's why you need the gift of the Holy Ghost. Sean. That's right. It's not the gift. It's the Spirit that's born again. So right. baptism has that, nothing to do with baptism that. Baptism of fire is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'll agree with you. Okay. And but that not baptism happens. of we water. Just, now, wait a minute. As a fundamentalist view, that just happens to be something that is, is done by way of an outward sign of an inward belief okay. through the laying on of hands. Okay. okay. That, and that's the way I see that. Okay. All right. This is what happened to All right. But wait, Bruce. What about baptism? Right. What about baptism? What about, what about baptism that you just threw in there? Jesus was baptized. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was he baptized. Went in the water with, he went in the water with John. You look at, we know that. This is rhetoric you're using here. It fills up the airwaves. It fills up the airwaves when you say, we know Jesus was baptized. You want, what do. you want to say to me is, why was Jesus baptized? We all know Jesus all was baptized. What? 
He was baptized fulf- because his father asked him to do it. That's right. And what and what did John the Baptist what was John the Baptist going to know by baptizing people? He was going to know who was the Messiah. Because oh, yeah, the absolutely. sign of the dove was going to come. He was going to have a sign that he had actually baptized the Messiah. This was one of the reasons Jesus was baptized, to fulfill sure, our righteousness. But for John the Baptist to see that the Messiah had been indeed, he had done his job, and then he could shrink right, away. Right, But it has nothing to do with you and I. Was the thief on the cross baptized? John, John, let yeah. me say something, please. Okay. okay. Jesus is the way, correct? Yes. Okay, so if we're in the way... We're in truth, okay? And if we're in his truth, we get life, life eternal. Okay. He didn't say he was gonna he didn't say he was gonna save everyone. All right? He he did something called the atonement and it has okay. two elements. It has two elements. Bruce. Let me throw this out. Just bear no, with me. No, don't one throw second. it out because I know it, Bruce. John, no, you don't. You've never heard this before. What are you talking You've about? Never heard what I'm gonna say. There's two things that he he has, okay? Truth and love. You take either of them out, Christ's sacrifice means nothing. Okay? Yeah. Truth and love. Is Make your point. That's Ma- my point is, What's that's the what point? we have to do is accept his gift. His What's, gift. What, I'm not disputing this. What's your point about this relative to baptism? Stay on target. That it is necessary because That's a huge jump. Us. Yeah, if, no, if, 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 our, if he if is the way... If he let me keep my commandments, Bruce, Bruce, What are his commandments? I just read them to you. No, you have faith and you love. That's not all of it, Sean. Those are the, his commandments. His all commandment the commandments is, are all the commandments are found in love. All of them. The, not without doing anything about You're, it. Where do you get that? Does it say that? Yes. No, in it every, doesn't. In every, in every scripture okay. that's in there, it says that. Watch our show on James. Sean, Sean. Watch it our show on James. We've Sean. T- no, no, not Sean, Sean. We've tied it up enough. People are now bored with me yelling and you coming back. It's done. <laughs> it's not that you're making some great point here. It's just we're done. We've done shows on this ad nauseum. But just go back and watch our show on James, and you'll see the context in which all those things were said, which are supporting. And read Ephesians 2, 8, 9 Sean, again. Okay, I got to let you go. I got to let you go. We're going on. All right. We're going to Jamie. A good He's LDS and born again. This should be good. Jamie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome, thanks to the Lord Jesus. I just wanted to let you know that uh, I think you're doing an awesome job for the Lord, and I'm very proud to see that there are other people that have been delivered from darkness and aren't afraid to tell the LDS people that they're wrong. Praise God. And God bless you, and have a good evening. Thanks, Jamie. You're welcome. Uh, uh, now, I want it said on there you were LDS or you are? I was for about, well, I'm 37. I, was, I would say I was LDS for a good 30 years. And then here recently, say, on June the 23rd at 9 p.m., Jesus Christ came to my life and rescued me. Applause. <laughs> Why? Because I asked him to. Hey, Jamie, uh, yeah. since you're on the air and you waited, so can you just share something with the LDS viewers about the difference between having been LDS and now what you experience in your life? Sure. The difference is simple. I have a substance abuse problem, okay? I tried many, many times for many years to follow the steps of the LDS religion and ask God to help me with that problem. Okay, and I relapsed and relapsed. 25 years of shooting dope. 
on June 23rd, I said, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. Please, Lord, take this crap from my life. And I've been clean since. Wow. Praise uh, God. So the difference is results. You ask the Lord Jesus uh, to, to save you, and he saves you. Yeah. If you ask, you can't ask yourself to save yourself, and that's the difference. Good. <laughs> That's, and that's an awesome thing. Thanks so much, Jamie. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. Bye-bye. You know, Jamie makes a really important point, and this is, so, this is like one of the separation points between Mormonism and Christianity, is Christians say, there's nothing I can do to save myself. In my sin, as a righteous person, there's nothing I can do. God save me. You know, God, you've got to save me. And that's why Jesus came. He could. Mormons say, Jesus is here to clean up your messes that you make with sin. And then you kind of have to save yourself. He offers you new life. He offers you a resurrection. He offers you an opportunity to have your sins forgiven, but you have to save yourself. And when you throw someone like Jamie into that situation, there's no saving yourself. There's people out there. There is just no cleaning yourself up. There's nobody who can clean themselves up in sin. Nobody. And so it takes this reliance, this brokenness to say, And the problem with Mormonism is it doesn't allow you to really break. It builds you up. It says, you're a child of God. Your haircut looks nice. That white shirt's beautiful. You're doing so, you received the ironic, you're a Melchizedek, you're a high priest. You're a bishop. You're a stake president. You're a general authority. You're a prophet. And you just never realize that you have to have Jesus from the get-go that whole time. And when you die and you say, well, I was a high priest, he's going to say, I'm the high priest. I'm a prophet. He's going to say, I was the prophet. I'm the, I'm the last deal here. You should have looked to me and you looked to yourselves. And that's the point Jamie was making. Let's go to Matt and Tuilla on line two. Matt, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing, bud? Doing well. How are you doing, Matt? Pretty good. Hey, uh, I just wanted to let you know, um, I was LDS too. I was baptized in 89. Uh, just like the fellow just before me, uh, Jesus came into my life. Thanks to working with fellow um, Christian who kept planting the seed, kept planting the seed, and of course we would argue at work over the truth of the Mormonism and the Christianity. Uh-huh. And it's a tough religion, you're right. It's tough to be an uh, LDS Mormon. Yeah. But... Um, I just thank God that he uh, showed me the light and came into my life, just like the caller before you. And um, At work, I work with a lot of LDS people, and the last, what, month, um, two people at work have said that they've seen a difference in me, huh. and now their curiosity is, what's up with this Christian thing? And I keep telling them to grab their Bible and read John. But when I grab my... Um, LDS Bible, even though it's a King James Bible, when I cross-reference it with my Bible, the wording is different, and I'm just curious on the translation, if the Mormons translated the King James Bible different, or what the difference is there. It's a great question, Matt, and praise God for your transformation. Uh, what the, I would get rid of the LDS Bible when you read it, and this is why. The words of the King James are all the same. 
But what they have done is they have their scholars or their whoever have gone in and prefaced each chapter with an understanding of what the chapter is about. And so in the preface, they will alter the meaning of what the chapter says to fit Mormon's doctrine. So while it is the King James Version, they have, they have when you read through it and you read the, the chapter heading, it's from them telling you what you should be seeing and thinking when you read it. So getting a regular King James Bible from a regular bookstore, like New Life Christian in Layton, Utah, uh, it, it, it just opens you up without these men throwing their philosophy and twist on it. So there is a difference. Additionally, they have footnotes in the LDS where you'll go down and you'll, it'll be a, a verse like, uh, for by grace we are saved, not of ourselves, uh, that any man should boast. And you'll go down and you'll, it'll say JST and it'll say Joseph Smith's translation. And he'll rewrite that and remove the important parts. So the, G, the King James Version Bible, I used to say it doesn't matter. It totally matters. And uh, so get rid of them and just get a regular Bible and start reading it. Great call, Matt. All right, cool. And, and that's the thing is when I'm telling my fellow workers or whatever that are LDS to go read the, their Bible, um, I mean, I know it's better than reading their Book of Mormon, but I just want to make sure they're reading the right scriptures, yeah. too. And I've thought about buying Bibles and giving it to them. Get it, buy a King James. You can buy a King James, and that'd be a great idea. I think it's a great idea. All right. Thanks, nice Matt. God bless you. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, listen, really, one quick point for, you, for the Christians out there. I believe that the state of Utah is the toughest mission field in America. There is no tougher mission field. And your calling, your job is not to have success. I just want to re remind you of that. Your call is to plant seeds. And you, you may not participate in the harvest. Again, that t ties back to faith and your trust in God understanding, and he will. But you just keep planting seeds like what, what Matthew said there. And as you're doing that, these people are hearing and, and you're praying that eyes will open, plant seed, eyes open, and God will not let his word return void. So don't lose faith. We're going to Cody and Ogden, first time caller, line one. Cody, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hey, Sean, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you, Cody? Great. Uh, I just wanted to call. You know, I have a testimony for uh, our LDS brethren out there. I mean, uh, I came to Christ November 2nd. Uh, uh, I was a drug addict before that. I was doing meth, marijuana, and uh, I came one night just uh, on my bed, uh, prayed to him, you know, God, take over my life. Huh. Uh, make me what you want me to be. I can't do this on my own anymore. Huh. And uh, uh, after that, I haven't done any drugs. I've just been peace in my heart. I've huh. prayed God every day. Watch your show every, uh, on the, your uh, Heart of the Matter uh, uh, com. Uh-huh. And uh, it really can show a new Christian like me how to share one's faith with love and compassion instead of arguing it. Awesome. Awesome, Cody. Hey, we need another audience applause. Uh, and, uh, well, I just want to say you're doing a great job. Thanks, Cody. And, and we're... you know, keep up the good, good work. Uh, well, God's doing it through you, but, you know, keep on doing it. And, you know, yeah. uh, God bless. All right, and we're, I'm excited to hear how your walk continues and how he uses you. He'll use you the same way he uses me and everybody else, Cody. Keep going, my brother. Thank you. You have a nice night. God bless again, man. Thanks for calling. This is a real thing. We've had a number of callers tonight call and share that they, they, they just went to God and said, I can't do it. And that's the humble, broken heart that's needed. 
If you think you're doing it, you got a problem. I'm telling you. You've got a problem if you think you're managing your life so well that you don't need to cry out to God for help to take over your life. It's not just help me um, meet my bills this month or help me do this and then you just praise God. He helped me meet my bills. I believe in God. It's my life is not right. My heart, my spirit is corrupt. I need to be born again. God, like Cody, like Matt, like all these guys, they called out and said, please come and save me. This is the beauty of the gospel that he came and he can do this, something that we can't. So it's, it's beautiful. We are going quickly to Eric in Draper, line three. Eric, we've only got, I'm sorry, 58 seconds. Hello? Hi, Eric. You only got 53 seconds. Okay, I just uh, on one of your points uh, that you that you shared earlier, you said well my comment was for the for the Mormons who say they are Christian and born again at the same time as being Mormon, I have two questions I think are are good to ask to see if they really are Christian and okay. to help them see themselves if they are. One of them is, do you believe that after you repent or after you take the sacrament on Sunday that you are now worthy of the Spirit? Okay. If, if they say yet, or if they say yes, they have a fundamental misunderstanding because they're placing once again the worthiness on themselves rather than looking to Christ, who is the only one worthy. Excellent that shows point. That they're not truly born again because they have a misunderstanding and a misplacement of, of where worthiness lies. Excellent point. Second one. Second question: Do you have complete faith that you are saved right now, this very minute, because of your faith in Christ? If you were to die 10 minutes from now, does your faith save you right now this minute? Excellent. Most of them, most of them will hum and haw and say, well, gosh, I'm just, I don't, I don't, I think I, I do, but I may not, I'm still working on things. Once again, they misplace that, that they think their faith doesn't save them and Christ is not, he is not strong enough right. to save them when he is. And excellent. Those Eric, excellent, great, two questions in the show. Thank you, my friend. Listen, this Friday and Saturday night at Good Shepherd Lutheran, 7 p.m. Uh, next week, we're going to compare and contrast Mormonism with Islam. Don't miss that call on uh, your friends. And then Sunday, November 29th, 11 a.m., teaching at Sandy Ridge Community Church, a great local church. Come and check that out. Uh, you know, we praise God for what he's doing in the hearts of people, what he's doing through the ministry, what he's doing through you. Don't give up. Don't fear. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Mm -hmm.